Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. I'm your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. My guest today is Pamela Zimmer. Pamela is a number one best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and featured guest on countless radio shows, TV, podcasts, blogs, and telesummits. Professional architect turned stay-at-home mom and founder of Your Permission Pinwheel. Author, speaker, and mentor Pamela Zimmer gives moms permission to put themselves first without feeling guilty so they can have peace and balance in their lives. With a leap of faith, Pamela quit her career of 13 years, seven and a half of which she owned her own successful firm, and thought she had everything she wanted. With a toddler, a brand new baby, and a loving husband who supported her decision to stay home, life seemed ideal. What she didn't anticipate was the struggle she would face battling severe postpartum depression. The next few years were some of the darkest times of her life, but they also came with lifelong lessons and gratitude. Pamela realized the reason she had to experience postpartum depression was so that she could become the voice for other women who had not yet found theirs. It led to her number one best-selling book, Reclaim the Joy of Motherhood, How I Defeated Postpartum Depression, and it allowed her to open her heart, share her experiences, and help bring postpartum depression into the open. The second lesson, and by far the most important, was about self-care. Pamela learned that self-care is essential and that she alone was responsible for her physical, emotional, and spiritual health. She will be the first to tell you there's no such thing as perfect mom and that practicing self-care takes practice in itself, but it is key to having a happy, peaceful life. Today, Pamela mentors women privately and in groups with her groundbreaking five-step permission-based program, offering the mentorship, guidance, and permission they need to take care of themselves first. Welcome, Pamela. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. Once upon a time, you were a professional architect. Tell me about how you decided on that career. Yes. Um, Well, growing up, um, my dad was an engineer, and I always wanted to be like him. Um, He worked for HP, he worked for Apple, and he was just the mathematician computer guy. And, of course, I wanted to be just like Dad, so I got into architecture and coupled that with um, my love of art and drawing and creativity. That was a perfect career for me. Um, And so I went through school, got my bachelor's degree, worked for an architect uh, for several years, went out on my own, opened a firm with a business partner, and had a successful firm there, and thought that that's what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. Mm. What uh, what type of architecture? Was it residential, commercial? What kind of things did you design? Yeah, when I first started, um, I did a lot of high-end residential. I was in Truckee, California at the time, which uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that area, but it's Lake Tahoe, it's tourist, um, you know, mountain country. And so we did a lot of second homes for people. And then when I um, branched out and went out on my own, we did still some residential, but it was more for the locals, which actually was really cool um, because 
these people were living in their homes full time. Um, mm-hmm. And then we got into a little bit of commercials. So I got to design a couple spas, some remodels of some businesses. Um, and then we actually ended up doing a lot of health care for our local hospital, Tahoe Forest Hospital. Um, oh, and that, that was um, interesting, but I would say that was sort of the least passionate of the work. Um, it was more, mm-hmm. you know, signing the forms and, you know, as as a, an architect working in a hospital, it's not always the new construction. It's the, the little tenant improvements where they have to get an architect to sign off if you move a door six oh, feet, you know, uh-huh. so that kind of stuff. Um, but I kind of so did it all. more bureaucratic so. than, uh, exactly. Exactly. than, than yeah. creative. <laughs> exactly, yes, most definitely, yes. So you owned your own successful architectural firm for seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to give that up? Well, um, I also um, always wanted to be like my mom, uh, who was a stay-at-home mom. And when I first started my career as an architect, I wasn't married. I wasn't even dating. So that just sort of seemed like the path I was going to go down. I was going to do my own thing. And I did the career thing. and then. Um, right around when I started my own firm with my business partner, um, I met my now husband and we got married and we started a family. And when our first son, Zachary, was born, um, it was really, really hard for me to go back to work. I Mm. just, I wanted to be home with him. I longed to be home with him. I cried every time I drove to work and luckily the drive was only eight minutes from my house to the office um but my husband was out of a job it was 2007 and he had just gotten into the mortgage industry which was not exactly the the right time for that (laughs) so that that didn't work out um and so it just worked out where I had to go back to work because that was where our income was coming from. And I had a job, you know, my name was on the door um, and he was out of work. So he stayed home and he was um, the stay-at-home parent for the first 18 months of Zach's life. And then he ended up getting a job um, working part-time. And I never really went back full-time. It took me about six months to go back to work 30 hours a week, four days a week. And luckily, Mm -hmm. I could do that because it was my company. Um, And I had a really supportive business partner. Um, And then when we were pregnant with our second son, Brayden, I made the decision that I didn't want to go back to work after he was born. So Mm -hmm. I... uh, I took some time, and that was a really, really hard decision to make, and it was even a harder conversation to have with my business partner, Mm. and it took about a year of creating this exit plan of how that was going to look when I left. So my last day of work at the office was June 1st, and our son Braden was born on June 27th. Um, Wow. and and, And what made that... What um, started that decision for me was, again, one, always wanting to be that stay-at-home mom, but also just my passion for architecture had been slowly going away, going away. 
Um, and then this desire to be a mom just kept bubbling up, bubbling up. And it, my heart was just pulling on me and tugging me and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I just couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, mm. And it it was a very difficult decision because that was sort of my identity. You know, when people said, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an architect. And it comes with some clout. And I didn't have to explain it. I didn't have to talk about myself. It was just people knew what that was. Um, and it was a highly regarded profession, especially mm-hmm. as a woman in a small town. Um, so it was difficult for me to sort of let go of that being my identity and then becoming, quote, just this stay-at-home mom. Um right. Uh, which is a whole other story of, you know, <laughs> getting rid of the word just, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, it just yes, my there heart. Are other words for that now, you know, it's exactly. domestic engineer and house manager and right. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, CEO of my home, yes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it ultimately was just, it was a heart decision, and I couldn't ignore my heart Um and even though my head was saying, no, nope, you should do this, my heart was saying, no way. You need to leave that career and be home. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. Well, it's always best to follow your heart. And it sounds like you made a pretty um, a pretty uh, considered decision and put all the pieces into place. But then something happened. Mm-hmm. You went through serious postpartum depression after your second child. Tell me about that. How did you feel? What were you going through? So um, I was diagnosed four months after Braden was born. Um, So he was born in 2010. Our first son was born in 2007. Um, And the day I was diagnosed, I realized that, oh my gosh, the past three years I had been suffering postpartum depression and just didn't know it. Um, I just oh, thought Oh, so that you think it started with your first child? It definitely started with my first child, and oh. I just didn't realize it. So I went through almost three years not knowing that that's what was going on in me, um, and just thinking that all the things I was feeling and experiencing was just sort of my new normal, you know, the complete exhaustion and fatigue, I mean, and not being able to sleep, you know, just so Mm. tired and your head hits the pillow and then you just lay awake at night, Mm. worrying and the anxiety, um, immense amounts of guilt and shame, thinking that I did this, this was my fault, Um, somehow, you know, I did this. It's uh, it's all on me, um, not wanting to have anything to do with anyone or anything, not enjoying any of the things that I used to do, going for walks, hiking, camping, hanging out with friends, talking with friends. Um, I didn't want anything to do with my husband. Um, I just was terrified and alone, um, had all those terrible thoughts that you sometimes hear people talk about on the news and Mm -hmm. I was completely embarrassed to say anything because I was terrified that CPS would come and scoop my children away and I was going to be that mom that was going to 
have their kids come visit her in prison or whatever. Oh. Um, you know, just like all the worst imaginable things, you know, taking a baseball bat to the head or shoving them in the dryer. Horrible, oh my horrible, goodness. horrible thoughts um, that I completely kept quiet because I was terrified, obviously. Mm. Um, and so when the diagnosis came, there was a little bit of relief, actually, um, that it actually was something, and I wasn't just this crazy, bitchy wife, mom, mm-hmm. woman anymore, you know. Um, even my husband said, like, well, oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> because now it's something that we know and can treat and can attack and can work through versus, you know, three years of, like, what happened to Pamela? This isn't this isn't who I was. This isn't who she is. Um, and so it was really hard. Um, and, um, just changed my whole perspective about motherhood completely. Mm. Um, Mm. and yeah. So Tom Cruise famously disproved Shields when she talked about her postpartum depression, but this is a clinical thing, right? So Mm -hmm. what causes it and, and how did your, how did your doctor even know to diagnose you with this? Yeah. So um, first off, my doctor didn't even diagnose me. Um, it was my doula. And oh, for okay. you know anyone listening, a doula is like a birthing coach. Um, so she diagnosed me. I was over at her house, um, and she told me, you know, I was just bawling, crying, crying, crying. I have this perfect, beautiful little baby sitting on the floor looking up at me like, oh, you're my mom. Um, and my doula said, you have postpartum depression and you've had it for a while. You just haven't been ready to hear it. You need to go home and call your doctor and tell him Mm -hmm. that you have postpartum depression and you need help. And of course that was like, oh my gosh, ask for help. Oh, um, you know, hardest phone call I've ever had to make in my life, but I did. Um, and I got on antidepressants right away by my choice. Um, and, um, what was your other question? Gosh, sorry. What Um, causes it? Is it it? like a hormonal imbalance or obviously there's something chemical going on, I would think. Yeah. Um, so the, the tough thing about diagnosing postpartum depression is symptoms can be all across the board. Um, Someone could have postpartum depression with one child and not the other. Um, there's no, you know, it's not like a blood test that you can get the lab results like diabetes or, you know, cancer or anything like that. There's no medical test to diagnose it. But what causes oh, okay. it, um, you know, it it is a hormonal imbalance and it's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, and a lot of times it's just the the shift after childbirth, you know, because your body goes through a lot. But it also can right. be caused by external circumstances. So I had a lot of stresses going on in my life um, when I was pregnant with our first one, with Zach. Um, my mom passed away. We mm. went through bankruptcy. Um, my husband lost oh my his goodness. job. Um, you know, childbirth in itself is 
a traumatic experience, not necessarily, a, you know, a bad trauma, but your body goes through a lot. Um, closing my business, you know, all of those are, you know, choosing to leave, leave my business and then ultimately um, closing. So all of those external factors contributed to this like giant snowball. And then Mm -hmm. the birth of Brayden was sort of for me, what pushed me over the edge and was like, all right, that's enough. You can't take any more. How about a little bit of depression for you? Um, So there's really no one cause which again makes it difficult and everyone is so different. Um and but it is it's it's an illness. It's no different than cancer or diabetes um or you know and it it's actually the number one um complication with pregnancy and childbirth more so than any other complication. Um it's hmm. um there are more cases of postpartum depression than there are breast cancer which wow. is kind of shocking. Most people don't know that because it's far less talked about. You know, we don't have the postpartum depression marches and the postpartum depression awareness month and, you know, right. all of that, which I hope someday we do. Um, there are some great nonprofits out there that do a lot for awareness and support, but not nearly as much as breast cancer. Or, um, you know, when someone's going through cancer, it's what can I do? And and usually the cancer patient doesn't feel like it's their fault. But with depression, that's one of the big symptoms is the shame and the anxiety and the guilt. Like, this was my fault. I did it, which is so right. completely wrong. Um, but that's what holds us back from speaking up about it. Yeah, well, and I'm sure that um, a lot of moms who go through it like you said, the symptoms are very different for each person, and so they may not even recognize it. Mm-hmm. And so they just think something's wrong with my life, but not necessarily that it can be fixed. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, I didn't know I was going through it for almost three years, which is a long time. Um, yeah. But it absolutely makes sense that that's what it was. And once I got the help, um, I was able to come out of it. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I was on medication and I was on antidepressant medication for almost two years, for about 22 months. And I had to play around with the dosage and, you know, switched medications when I was finished breastfeeding. And, you know, then the holidays hit and I tanked and I had to change again. And, you know, it, it was just this journey. And when I thought I was ready to get off because I didn't want to be on them anymore, um, I was really not ready to get off of them. So I had to work through that with myself. Um, and then after 22 months, I had weaned myself off with the support of my doctor and was able to think again and, and like clear that fog. That was one of my big symptoms was just not even being able to make a decision, you know, do I want Mm -hmm. coffee? Do I want tea? Do I want ice in my water? Like, what do I want to eat? I'm not hungry, but I need to eat something. And um, just every little day tasks were so huge. And Mm. so the medication for me just helped clear that fog so I could think and be, hey, there's this person inside here that I think I remember. I should let her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
Awesome. Well, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, self-care is not selfish. In fact, it's essential. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and today I'm talking with Pamela Zimmer. Pamela, you pulled yourself out of postpartum depression. How did self-care play into that? Yes, good question. Um, So as I was um, coming out of it, uh, as I was able to sort of think more and that fog cleared and I remembered that there was this woman inside that um, was actually a really cool, important, beautiful woman, um, what happened for me was I... I learned about this concept of self-care, taking care of myself, and just became very, very aware of my body, uh, both physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, just recognizing what I needed. If I was tired, I needed rest. If I was stressed, I needed to, you know, take a break or relax and um, ask for help, all of those things to support whatever it is that I was noticing I needed. And the more I started doing that, the more I be, I just paid attention to my body, um, recognized what I needed and took action on it. And for me, that is what self-care is. It's not just going to the spa and getting a massage and a facial or a mani-pedi. It's, you know, really taking notice of what do you need in this moment and acting upon doing whatever it is that you need to fill yourself up. Um, And I realized that no one else was going to do it for me. I had to do it for myself. So, you know, someone could encourage me like, oh, go for a walk or take a nap or go get a massage. Um, But no one was actually going to do that for me. I had to take ownership and responsibility of it for myself. So I started just making sure that every day I was doing something for me, even if it was, you know, two minutes of deep breathing or just closing my eyes or um, asking for help with something, Um, just doing something that would fill me up, that made me happy. Um, Writing had always been something 
that made me feel good, and it was my outlet. It was a way for me to get all of the thoughts that were in my head out so I could make space for new, better, different thoughts to come in. Um, and it was just sort of like my my brain dump, um, you know, journaling and not necessarily like the dear diary stuff, but, you know, what am mm-hmm. I thankful for today? What What's going on in my head? What's going on in my life? What's going on with these new babies that I have? How am I feeling? Um, and I just started writing, and that made a huge difference for me. And that's one thing that even to this day, I know, I notice when I don't get enough writing time in, I just feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm so full. Like, I got to get some stuff out. I There's things that I have to say, even if no one reads it. It's just I have to let those words flow out of me. Um, and so I just started doing that. Um, I started a blog, and then I um, decided I wanted to write a book. And it took me a while to do that. It took me about a year to write um, my story part of my book. That's how my book, Reclaim the Joy of Motherhood, How I Defeated Postpartum Depression, came to life, is I wanted to tell my story um, for sort of two reasons. One, because it... It helped me heal. It was probably one of the most healing things I ever did. And then I knew that by me sharing my story, I was hopeful that it would help someone else relate and not feel so alone um, and hopefully help them through their depression if they weren't able to speak up for themselves. So, um, yeah, that. It just that's the uh, the how the self care piece came into play, um, and then today I am just very passionate and very encouraging and supportive for moms to make sure that they're incorporating self care into their daily lives, uh, especially as busy working moms. It's it can get crazy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you know, and. Um, it's important for us to make sure as moms, as sort of the, you know, the nurturers, the we want to take care of people. That's what we're wired to do. But we have to sort of step back and say, okay, hold on. Am I full yet? I have to take care of me first so that I can take care of you. Um, right. And, yeah. So I think two things, and this advice is applicable to anyone, not just moms, but right. um, I think. I think two things that you said are really important. One is, it, even if it's just two minutes, right? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't have time for that, <laughs> right? Right. How am I supposed to take care of myself when I've got two kids pulling on me, my husband's coming home for dinner and blah, blah, blah. But even if it's just two minutes or even if it's just five minutes writing writing down, like you said, writing down how you're feeling that day or or just getting those thoughts out of your head, and then the second thing that you said that I think is the hardest part, and I think maybe for you, but for a lot of people, is ask for help, right? Mm-hmm. You said mm-hmm. it was really hard to ask for help when you needed to call your doctor. And that is something I think people are really reluctant to do, but it's it's really the first step in taking care of yourself because you can't do it all. Absolutely, yeah. And and we think that when we ask for help, it means we're weak and we're incapable or we don't know how to do it. 
but in it, it's actually the opposite. When you ask for help, it takes great strength and great courage to humble mm-hmm. yourself to say, hey, I know I can't do this all on my own. Will you please help me? Um, right. And it's just, it's so freeing to know that it doesn't make me a bad or a weak or wrong to need help. It's, um, we all need help every day in everything, um, moms and non-moms, you know, husbands, kids, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, coworkers, mm-hmm. everyone should feel the freedom to ask for help when they need help. Absolutely. And that contributes to helping you feel less isolated because mm-hmm. you're reaching out to people and they're reaching back and it and it makes you feel sort of like, okay, you know, there there is some connection here. It's not just me against the world, right? When you're feeling right. kind of depressed and alone. Right. Yeah. You need community. Um, I, I know for me, when I was going through the depression, one of the things that I didn't want was to be around other people. But in fact, that mm-hmm. would have been the best thing for me. Um, so, you know, like if you knew now what you knew or if you knew then what you know now kind of thing. Um, right. I would have forced myself and I don't know if I could have forced myself, but I would have I would have hoped that I would have had friends like just pull me out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they knew what I was going through, I had wonderful support. Um, with my friends and and family, but it was in, you know, those first three years where I didn't know, I was like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm not even going to answer your phone call. Um, And I just wanted to be alone. And that was the worst thing. Isolation is the worst thing that you can do when you're going through depression Um, or even when you're just stressed and struggling with, you know, an everyday, every, you know, normal life challenge um mm-hmm. to just reach out um and be in community and ask for help from the right people right from the right people that's from the, the right people yes <laughs> yes so i'm sure that women who've read your book um have you know they do know now and they get the benefit of your experience have you have you gotten some feedback on that? And what are people saying after reading your book? Yeah, I um, I have gotten some good feedback. And it's really comforting to know that my story helped other people. I think the most common uh, feedback that I get is along the lines of just thank you for sharing your story. I don't feel so alone anymore. And it's mm-hmm. given women the courage to speak up and ask for help wherever they are in their lives. Um, and then I, you know, it's not just my story, it, it, because that's great. But, um, one of the reasons I wrote my book the way I did is that I wanted a book that not only let me feel, um, you know, more normal, but also what do I do about it? It wasn't just a, oh, that's a nice, sad story. Good for her. Um, but (laughs) there's (laughs) tools and strategies in there, resources. Um, I did a ton of research. Um, it's where I started to develop the program that I offer to women now, helping them about self-care um, and the whole balance, you know, life balance thing. Um, so it's more than just a story. Um, there's actual real 
strategies in there that I used and that I still use to this day, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your permission pinwheel. What is it and how does it help struggling new moms? Yes. Um, so one of the things as moms is we don't always give ourselves permission to know what we want in terms of how we want to spend our time. Um, we are always busy taking care of everyone and everything else around us, and we're generally last on our to-do list. And I don't know about you, but I rarely get through my to-do list every day. Um, mm-hmm. So the permission pinwheel is something that I developed, and it's based on four core areas of your life that you have to spend time in in order to have balance in your life. And so that's the home, the work the social, so like we talked about being in community and not being isolated, and then Mm -hmm. self, which is the self-care piece, which is by far the most important. And you have to spend time in those areas to have that balance in your life so that you feel peaceful and your life flows and all of that. So the permission pinwheel um, gives you permission to ask yourself if life were perfect, like if you had no responsibilities, no commitments, you had an abundance of um, resources, both financial and time, how would you want to spend your time? And so Mm -hmm. it just opens up your mind to sort of dream and vision a little bit and um, get yourself unstuck from this identity that oftentimes we label ourselves as that quote, I'm just a mom now. Um, Mm -hmm. Being a mom is part of who you are, but it doesn't define you. And so this permission pinwheel gives women permission to think about it and what do you want your life to look like. Um, And then the rest of my program helps women actually achieve that. Um, And it's all based on this core of self-care. You have to take care of yourself. It's not selfish. It's essential. Yep, absolutely. Because if you are not taken care of, then you cannot take care of others. Exactly. The cup has to be full, otherwise there's nothing to share, right? Right. Totally, totally. You know, it's the airline mask uh, analogy, you know, put your mask Mm -hmm. on first and then help others. It's um, Lately I've been using this cell phone analogy. You know, we all have a cell phone and we all charge it every day, sometimes twice, or it dies. And we can't live without our cell phones. So we need to treat ourselves the same way. We need to charge ourselves every day sometimes more, um, Mm -hmm. or we're just not going to be there. Um, And that's not what any of us want. No, absolutely not. And we definitely have to get rid of the just in front of, I'm a mom. (laughs) Yeah, and say it with proud, like, I'm a mom, and I am a good mom, and I am proud of being a mom, and I am the best mom for my kids. I believe that wholeheartedly. Every mom is the best mom for her kids. Yes. So something I ask all my guests is, besides your own book, what is one book or resource that changed your life that you would recommend to people? I was given this book um, by Edwin Gaines, and it is The Four Spiritual Laws of Attraction. And I love it. It's a book that I've got, um, I've purchased and given to others as gifts as well. And it was given to me by my mentor, um, Lisa Sasevich. I'm part Mm -hmm. of her 
business mastermind program. And it just was, um, first off, it was a quick, easy read, which is important for a busy mom. Um, Mm -hmm. And then second, it was very um, applicable where, you know, the things she talked about were things that, oh, I could start doing this in my life today and it's actually made a difference. Um, and it's just talking about, you know, what are you attracting? How are you approaching your day and your life? Um, this concept of abundance and giving first, um, giving when we don't have any, um, and then receiving back twofold. So it's just been a wonderful book. I love it. Um, and it's, again, a quick, easy, applicable read. Um, so I, I recommend that book all the time. That is an excellent recommendation. I also have that book, also from Lisa Sasevich. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for yeah. recommending that. Now, you have a free gift at your website. Tell me about that. Who is it for yeah. and what will it do for them? Yeah, so um, I have a free guide called Ditch the Mom Guilt for Good, um, mm. and it's just a PDF download, and it's some of my favorite tips, quick tips, on how to let go of that guilt. Um, and it's, you know, things, well, I won't, I won't tell you what they are. You'll have to go download it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's on my website. Um under PamelaZimmer.com forward slash free gift. Um, and then I also have, um, if if any of your listeners are wanting to um, get to know me more or reach out or have a conversation, um, they can always just fill out a form and schedule a time with me at TalkWithPamela.com. Um, and I'd be happy to see where they're at in their sort of permission pinwheel and um, how I might be able to help them as well. So PamelaZimmer.com forward slash free gift or TalkWithPamela.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Pamela. That was very informative. And I hope that uh, I hope that people got a lot out of it. I know I did. Awesome. Yes. Thank you again, Kate, for having me. I uh, look forward to hearing the interview, listening to the podcast, and all your other guests as well. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's program. If there's a particular topic you'd be interested in hearing about, go to my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions, and let me know. Next week, my guest will be Mimi Quick. Mimi is an international speaker, coach, business mentor, and number one best-selling author of Your Big Money Shift and Defy All Obstacles to Prosperity. She began her coaching career over two decades ago after leading leadership teams for years and receiving awards for her intuitive and visionary marketing and her cutting-edge coaching style that skyrocketed business sales and enrollment. She became known as the Prosperity Muse and Psychic Business Mentor for Money, Business, and Spirituality, helping female entrepreneurs and students align so that they can prosper. In 1998, Mimi changed her life forever, healed her body, increased her income, attracted her soulmate, and more. I hope you'll join me. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success.
I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.